Welcome to Talk On To Walk On with Michelle Walters, the podcast that celebrates the power of conversation. In each episode, my inspirational guests will share their own stories, recalling times when conversations have led to pivotal moments in their life journey. You will hear about how those conversations and moments of positive self-talk have encouraged and empowered them to walk on to where they are now. The aim of Talk On To Walk On is to inspire us to use words with each other and with ourselves that will change lives. Let's talk on to walk on and see where it leads. I want my power of conversation message to reach people of all ages, but fully accept that young adults may not necessarily rush to listen to my podcast. So one impactful way to reach them is to celebrate, connect and have conversations with those of the younger generation who are doing great things. And my guest today, Gabby Mendes, is doing just that. Gabby is the founder and director of Talk Twenties, not just a fabulous podcast with over 20,000 listeners and a podcast awards nomination, but having recently made the leap into the entrepreneurial world, Talk Twenties is now her full-time business a business that bridges the gap between full-time education and the daunting world of adult life. Just like Talk On To Walk On, Gabby's Talk Twenties idea was born out of her life experiences, in particular her own struggles after graduating from university, a pattern among students and postgraduates that is more common than you think. We all remember the hurdles and hiccups of our 20s, a time of tremendous adapting and life learning. But wouldn't it be great if, as young and older adults, we understood each other better to ensure we have meaningful conversations all around this topic? This podcast, I know, will be an example of how we can make that happen. So welcome, Gabby. Let's talk on to walk on and let's see where it leads. So having had a little stalk of your Instagram anyway, I instinctively went to, and you're probably sick of talking about it, it was March 2020. And you put something along the lines of COVID can do one now or something like that. And I think it was just as you were about to launch your events business that the COVID hit. Tell me what happened. If you could just take me back to that moment. What happened in, in March 2020 for you personally? Well, I think we have to go a little bit before that to kind of building up to this point. So for some time, I'd been building up the courage to launch my own business and platform. And it had taken me until like January 2020 to kind of pull everything together. Um, and my friend sat down with me and was like, you helped me with all the marketing and all of that kind of stuff. And I'd, I'd summoned up the strength, bearing in mind this had been a plan for probably about 18 months before, if not longer, to be honest. And I, I'd kind of pulled all the strength to do it. And I really wanted to do in-person events for 20-somethings to teach you all the life skills, all the stuff they never teach you in school about being an adult and to be a support system for young people who, when you step out into the big wide world, it is scary. You don't know what direction you're going in. There's no guidance. There's no support. So I wanted to create that platform. And I wanted to do it through in-person events. Obviously, coronavirus had other ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so um, oh. by March 2020, I had to consider the other areas of the business that I had potentially considered, but never thought was going to be my sole kind of thing that I did and a podcast on that list. And I think at the beginning of 2020, I thought, well, it would be nice to do 
10 episodes of the podcast. It's just like a little mini series just to get people warmed up for the event. In 2020, I ended up doing 31 episodes wow. of the Talk 20s podcast. And it became the thing that we're probably known for, like the, the the thing that people find first before they find all our online courses, in-person events and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, the podcast is probably our biggest thing that we're known for now, but I had to pivot massively. And yeah, obviously March 2020, I was like, oh, I'm done with this coronavirus to do one. <laughs> I'm not resentful of that anymore. I'm like, this. it brought me on this path. So, you know, I'm actually like, yeah, I'm at peace with it now. And, and what an opportunity that you took. And fair play to you, Gabby, for, for making that pivot. I like the word evolve. I think pivot can be a little bit of a scary word, can't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's part of being in business. And you've learned that at the very, very early stages. Yeah. And, and it's a priceless lesson, to be honest, because once you've done it once, if curveballs come again you'll be you'll be ready you know it's always really scary but you will be ready for that next change and that next curveball because they I do think like last night was like a like a curveball for a lot of people like that was like a mini kind of you know a lot of people who've invested a lot of time in Facebook Instagram growing their platforms that way you know for them that's probably a big wake-up call to go well maybe I should be focusing on things elsewhere and not putting all my efforts into this one thing so I think that's where like kind of diversifying you know if you are a business like diversifying where you're where you're putting your efforts can sometimes be a good thing because if something can come in and wipe out your your one thing that you're good at that can be the end so yeah evolving I love that word yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and and I do know that obviously podcasting has, has obviously taken off. I think people are going, oh, not another podcast, not another podcast. But it's an incredible way of communicating, isn't it? How have you found, you know, obviously you weren't expecting it was in the mix. How have you found making that connection? How have you found talking to people, particularly for yourself and your guests? How's it helped you in, in your business and in your confidence? Oh, massively. I mean, I didn't realize how much the power of conversation has. Like, you know, I've made some really, really, really great connections, um, friends, you know, so many people that I've met through through the podcast. It has been amazing. And, you know, a lot of people come off the podcast and say, wow, like, I really need to have that chat. And so it's really, <laughs> it's really nice to be fair. Yeah. Um, podcasting is an amazing tool. I was listening to them for ages before I started my own. And I think I I kind of felt like I had a different spin on things, you know, former teacher wanted to, to kind of promote life skills and those conversations that people weren't having in their, in their twenties about, you know, the difficult things that they were going through. And it evolved from there, really. I think, I think the power of conversation is amazing. And when we do it through through podcasts it's it's even better oh I know well that's definitely my why and I know it's part of yours which is why I connected with you so go on I'm gonna have to ask you to take us back uh, to your why which is in in, you know intrinsically linked in talk 20s is is your experience so tell us what happened so I went to the University of Birmingham when I was 18, just like most people went to university. And I studied a course that was very varied. It was kind of a little bit of psychology, history, sociology, but it was all about how we learn as humans. And it was a really, really interesting course. But most of my course went on to be teachers. And I panicked. I absolutely panicked. So when I got to the end of it, I was like, I, it didn't feel right. But it also was like, what else am I going to do? And at the time, my boyfriend really wanted to move back to the Wirral, which is obviously just over the water from you in Liverpool. And um, I was really open to that because I was like, I loved the city. Every time I'd visited, I just fell in love with it. It's hard not to fall in love with Liverpool. Mm. And so I was really okay with that. But I thought, I don't know what what I'm going to work on or what I'm going to do. So in the end, I don't want to say I caved, but I just didn't know what else I was going to do. And I thought, well, teaching would be great experience, even if I just give it a go for five years or whatever. 
it'd be really great to kind of give it a go. So I applied, got my application and kind of set myself off on this teacher training course. And it was the toughest two years of my life. Like I have to put it there. Like my mental health was at an all time low and it was really a challenging time for me. And, and I, and I know that's true of a lot of people who graduate from university, making that step out into the big wide world, but I really felt it hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, And in my second year of teaching, I was um, only about 21, 22 at the time, but I was given a form of sixth form students and um, they were obviously like 17, 18, all thinking about going off to university. So I wasn't that much older than them, right? Like it was literally, the only difference between us was I've been to uni and they and they hadn't done that yet. That was literally it. So they were asking me questions like, Miss, like, what's the best debit card that I should get? Or Miss, like, <laughs> how, what's it like moving away from home? Or Miss, like, what's the best career steps that I should take to get to where I want to go? And, and I was like, no one really talked to me about this when I was in school and no one's really talked to me about it since. It was kind of like, do your three A levels, pick which one or what mm. course you want to do for university and bye-bye. There was no like practical mm. life skills. And I was like, why is no one teaching this? And obviously I've got a degree in like education as a whole and the sociology and the psychology of it. And so I already had been kind of trained in my degree to kind of quite heavily criticize the education system that we have in the UK and how it's very geared towards grades and that's how schools are assessed so that's how you know if your students are getting good grades you're a good school and so that's probably their main focus so actually getting students prepared for the outside world becomes less of a priority because obviously they're very focused on being the best school because then you can get more funding and then you can get the best students and then it's kind of a cycle that goes round and round and round so I had a quite a cynical approach of the British education system and I felt like a square peg in a round hole basically I couldn't be in that environment and I couldn't basically push those thoughts outside of my head and I thought well one of the things that I think is so important and I'm going to champion forever and almost everyone always says this oh it's talk 20s you're going to do talk 30s talk 40s I'm just going to be a champion for life skills that that is yes. that is my career I right now yeah, my, my business might be talk 20s but I'm going to be a champion for life skills <laughs> and I wanted to create a platform that people could still learn once they left school university not in like a corporate boring way but in a fun way um and so yeah so I had this idea for in-person events so I left teaching and got a job in events to gain experience uh so that I could then launch my own and within all that you know was trying to build talk 20s on the side then a global pandemic then a podcast (laughs) then I quit my job and I've decided to go for it full time because I just feel so passionate about about doing this And and I do think that there is no one or no business out there that are doing this right and providing that support for people once they leave university. I 100% agree. And I'm literally just nodding away with with, with (laughs) gusto because it is the one thing I've always banged on about very similarly. I mean, my, you know, I, I, I've pivoted a lot in in my career as well, but I've always, I I went working class background, but threw myself into books for various reasons and ended up as a lawyer for God's sake. I mean, and I remember getting there going, what the hell? How, how the hell did that happen? And it was, to be fair, it was slightly different because I, I was genuinely interested in it as well. Um, and I loved the, the actual, you know, the course. And I wouldn't say I loved the course, but I actually liked the idea of helping people and, mm-hmm. and justice. But obviously, when I got there, it was completely different. It was all about money and business and charging. And, you know, it was every. Yeah, the important yeah. stuff that was driving me was just shoved to one side. And after ten years, I was like, you know, different curveballs came along, combined with being disillusioned. But I do remember my twenty. You know, I ended up leaving the law, but I do remember my twenties. You know, people look back a little bit with rose tinted glasses, and you know, you've really made me think and look back. And I go, 
it was a bit, pardon the expression, shit, to be honest, mm. <laughs> because you're just navigating. It's like you say, you're just navigating in the unknown murky waters. And there's so much expectation of you when you come out of university, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, again, it took me back to my mum being ever so proud. I'd become a lawyer and telling everybody. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Just don't tell everybody because I don't feel that confident in myself. I don't really know what I'm doing. I've got this label. I'm expected to be fast and brilliant and, you know, technically amazing and then get moving me friends, get a job, travel. You know, there's all these different things that are expected Mm -hmm. of you during this massive decade of growth. It's, It's hard going. It really is. It's a lot. It's a lot. And this is the conversations that I'm having constantly on the podcast. Like, how can we be all of those things at once? You're, ne- you're, you're, you're pretty much setting yourself up to fail. No one is going to be able to do all of that. And I think one of the things that we try and talk about much is that, like, nobody, no matter their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, nobody has it all figured out. So no. stop putting that pressure on yourself to do that. And I think no one was really out there telling me that. Everyone was like, like you say, like I was the same with teaching. Mum was like, my daughter is a teacher. And I was like, hang on, mum. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be a teacher for. So, you know, please don't, please don't do that. But now she's proud. Like, yes. I'm not saying that she wasn't back then. She probably but like, still doesn't quite like, get what you do. My mum used to no. go, I mean, my mum's passed away now, but she used to say, did you get lots of clients today? You know, when I was networking and stuff, she didn't quite understand, you know, did you get paid? Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll, talk, we'll talk about being in business in a second, but yeah. And t- I just want to take you back to that moment of um you know you you forced yourself pretty much you felt forced to go down a particular path of teaching because everybody else was doing it were you worried about people's opinions and and you know did you feel society societal pressure to 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 stick on this 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 safe path that society likes to put us on people like to put us in boxes 110 percent yeah but it was kind of like a yes and no it was kind of like a I refuse to be just called a teacher like it used to infuriate me when my (laughs) my sister used to say to me like shush you teacher like stop getting your teacher voice out and I'd be like oh my god I'm more than just a teacher Mm. but then at the other end of the spectrum I was like this is what everyone like wants they said this is good like you know you should be have like you know a consistent career and you know but ultimately it boiled down to the fact that like I was just not happy and Mm. I think for a lot of people in their 20s like they're not prepared to necessarily say that or open up about that or or show that because it shows vulnerability, right? It shows that I've not really picked the right path. And like, I knew that deep down inside, I had not made the right decision to, to go that way. It's taught me a lot. And like, if I didn't have that experience, then I wouldn't be where I am today. So I don't necessarily regret it in a way, but like, if I could go back and maybe my path would take me somewhere different, but realistically, I wouldn't want to put myself through that again because it it didn't feel right. It didn't feel aligned with like what I believed in, what I wanted to do. So like ultimately when it boiled down to it, I just, I just wasn't happy. Like, yeah. And what, were you comparing yourself to other people? Were you worried about other people's opinions and was that stopping you from making the change? Yeah. I mean, teaching is a funny game. So if you want to leave teaching, you have to hand your notice in about four five months before you actually leave so like I very like I, I like you know they offered me a job to to obviously stay on after my NQT year and and it was actually to teach drama to move from French to teach drama and like it would have been it would have been slightly improved but I still didn't want to be in the teaching in the teaching uh, profession and I got offered that job and everyone knew that I've been offered that job and turned it down and uh, it was kind of like well well what have you turned it down for and I was like well I don't know yet because I can't apply for any jobs because I can't start ne- next month, can I? Like I'm still teaching. And so it was this weird kind of no few months land. towards yeah. the end of the year where I was having conversations with my colleagues who were like, 
um, you know, so what are you going on to do? And I'd be like, I don't know, because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get a job that was going to let me start in like three, four months time. And so it was kind of the, the look of like panic in their eyes thinking like, oh my God, like you can just quit a job and just like not know where you're going. And, 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 and then they started making me panic and I probably went into a bit of like a, you know, stressed out mode and yeah, sure enough, September came around, you know, and, and I, and I got my job, like it was absolutely fine, but the panic and what other people, it kind of, it kind of reflected onto me. And then I was really stressed and really worried mm. about it. Whereas previously I'd made that decision because I felt confident that I could, I could find a job and I could move on and, and do something different. Um, so I think, yeah, fear of what other people think, you never really know how much of an impact it's going to have on you. But I think you have to go back to that, like deep down, you know, what do you, what was your reasons for doing it? And my, I knew all my reasons were right. And also I think there's a little bit of jealousy, a lot of teachers there who maybe do want to leave, perhaps feel trapped by the system. Like it's, it is, it's, you know, cause you have yeah. to give it up so early. No one can have a job ready. So there is a kind of system where it's like, you can't really leave. Yeah, well, you really. need to be brilliant that you absolutely felt something in your gut and you listened to your gut and those whispers. And they, I guess they kept coming back to you, even though people were trying yeah. to keep, keep you in your box and on that on that straight path line and sensible line of becoming a teacher. And we do get wrapped up in what other people think of us. And it does potentially stop us in our tracks, doesn't it? And I think there's a saying, uh, what other people think about me is none of my business or something like that. It, and you've got to you've got to interrupt those thoughts and come back to what you want and what you believe. Was there anything that anybody said to you at that time, you know, in terms of opening up? Did you have a moment of, mm. ah, I, I need some help here? Yeah, I mean, I... At the time I was really struggling like with my mental health as well. And I think I had to literally open up to my mum and dad and say, look, I'm, I'm really struggling here. And it was, I think when you, especially when it comes to mental health, a lot of time you feel like ashamed for, you know, you worry about what other people are going to say, or you, you can't really find the words to articulate it. So I had literally just broken down so many times. My mum and dad, I said, look, I'm really, really struggling. I don't think this is making me happy. And my mum and dad just turned around to me and said, well, what will make you happy? And you must do that because we cannot see this over and over again. We mm. cannot see being unhappy. And like ever since like the way I look at it, like I recorded a podcast with a really amazing young person called Gemma Burt. She's a psychotherapist. I don't think she has a platform on social media anymore due to her job. But she came on the podcast and she talked about the further you are away from your ideal self, the more that you'll struggle with your mental health. And it's one of the theories of like, mm. you know, when do we when do we struggle with our mental health? And for me, that is probably the most accurate representation that I can describe about when I struggled with my mental health. And it was because I was so far away from the person that I wanted to be, or I felt like I wanted, I was so far away from helping others or doing what I believed was right. I was so far removed from that that I just didn't feel like I was myself. And for me, that was when all the kind of anxiety and all of that kind of stemmed from. So I think, you know, although my parents have never really understood and they are the people that get a job and stay in it because it's, you know, then they're not entrepreneurial one inch. Like I don't get that from them at all. And, you know, less risk takers, like they're very safe and stuff like that. Ultimately, they turned around and said, the only thing we want is for you to be happy. So yeah, I think that was kind of a really key moment. And it's kind of like the green light to mm. say, yeah, this is the right decision. Such a powerful but simple statement. We just want you to be happy. It's about you and not anybody else, not what, not other people's opinions, not comparing yourself to others. Um, and it's so lovely that you've got your parents to be able to talk to on that. In terms of university depression and anxiety post-university, I 
I hadn't really heard about it. It's not really, is it document? I mean, do the universities document this kind of stuff now? Maybe more so now post-pandemic. But I'm guessing it's a lot more prevalent than society wants to acknowledge. Um, Have you heard of the phrase postgraduate depression? Um, I haven't. I actually it, haven't. But now well, you've said it, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I think a lot of people struggle from it. And I I did. It's kind of like university is a bubble, right? You're literally mm. um, in a bubble and, you know, you're having a great time. You know, opportunities are there. And all you've got to focus on is passing your grades and having a good time, really. That's that's university in a, in a nutshell. Postgraduate depression is basically when that bubble bursts, you know, and you're thrown out mm. into the real like big wide world and nobody's talking about how they're feeling you're kind of put on the same platform as like someone who's you know been out of uni for ages like you might be going for the same job and someone might be 31 and you might be 21 like it depends what kind of role you're going for but like you know you're you're pretty much just given this the same as everyone else and so postgraduate depression is is something that I hear more and more people talking about it's not well documented though I have to be perfectly Mm. honest there isn't enough research about it there are small fragments when I've been doing my research there are small fragments out there but like not enough at all um so for me I think it's something that that we need to look at a lot more because this is exactly why Talk Twenties exists to Absolutely. be a platform where you can open up and have this converse, these conversations and and know that you're not the only person who is going through that because I think when you graduate, you look at everyone else, what everyone else is doing, and you think that they're having a wonderful time. Social media mm-hmm. makes us think that we're all having <laughs> a wonderful time, that life is going swimmingly, and you're the only person that has the the issues or is struggling like you it makes you feel about feel like you're the only one when in reality that is not the case at all mm. and the more that I opened up and talked about this the more that other people went oh god yeah my early 20s were pretty crap too yeah, like yeah. you know so it's something that we all go through so why isn't it researched and just in terms of you get the re- there's an expectation again from society to well what job are you going for what, what are you going to mm-hmm. do next where are you going to live are you going to buy a house have you got a boyfriend yet have you got a girlfriend yet you know it, again people like to keep you on that that straight and narrow path that makes everybody feel safe and secure and 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 it doesn't hold a mirror up to them in terms of their own mm-hmm. lives you know mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I think I, the questions I, we should be we should be asking is are you following your dreams are you going yes. after what you want are you happy exactly that's what we should be asking those people not by those measures of what society is telling us we should be I think those are questions we should be asking yeah definitely did you have a mentor at university at all or Um, or was it just a bit of a tick box in terms of a mentor academically yes okay as in a mentor that taught me through all my assignments and helped me that way uh pastorally you know in terms of helping me get through uni life no oh, I didn't have that and I don't I don't know oh. if many people do I don't think it's you know there's all the departments like careers and you know well-being and stuff like that but I feel like you only get to those places when you are at devastation point I don't feel like you access those things early mm-hmm. and to be honest they're they're not very well you know documented I won't mention the university that I've been working with recently but they have eight members of staff to help with the careers section of 26,000 students how can eight people support careers for 26,000 people? 
that's I that's just nuts. It, it so. is nuts. But I think you might have found another gap in the market, Gabby. And yeah. I know you probably want to solve all the problems, and you, but you, you can't let that overwhelm. But it's definitely part of your vision, I'm guessing. Part of that bigger picture of Talk 20s is try to, to get the students ready before they leave, not just mm-hmm. sort of put, put the plaster on afterwards, you know, yeah. after the people yeah. have been down that anxiety, depression path. Um, the, the, the one study I did found, it said City Mental Health Alliance. I mean, again, I just mm-hmm. did a quick look and it did say it was probably be pre, slightly pre-pandemic, but out of 300 students interviewed, 49% admitted to mental well-being decline And after, after leaving uni. Um, and I think it perhaps it's probably escalated. Yes, there's all those similarities to when I was 20, but on top of it, you know, my I, I did pay for law school, which was like five thousand pounds. Which is, you know, you, you look back and you're, you're looking at, exactly. You're like, wow, you won the lottery. Now you're looking at fifty grand. You know, yeah. aren't you? That on top of the yeah. expectation, on top of everything else, that the normal think, life problems that are causing these issues. The other thing is, is that you know, twenty, thirty years ago, going to university was basically like job. You're, you're, you're definitely yes. get a job as soon as you graduate. It was kind of almost like a definite. It was like, if my mum and dad went to university, you're like, I don't want to say it, but like, you know, you're, you're guaranteed a job and you're going to get a good job because university students are amazing. And now everyone goes to university. Yes. So you don't stand out. So there's no guarantee of a job at the same time. And then it costs so much more. So being a 20 something right now is like, oh my God. And then you, you start looking at house prices. Yeah. 20, 30 years ago, what was it to buy a house? And like, yeah. also when you then start comparing like starting salaries and stuff like that, there's not been that much growth there. You mm. know, in terms of salaries haven't grown in the rate that house prices have grown. We still got that massive debt over our shoulders. We've probably got, our generation is probably going to pay for the for this pandemic it's a lot of stress we're putting on young people right now and uh, I think a lot of people are feeling worn down by it and you know and just worrying like how they're going to get through all of that so in terms of what talk 20 offers coming full circle back to you and then your, your leap into going full time tell us about talk 20 because we've sort of set the scene of the why so tell mm-hmm. us about what you're doing and how, how you're going to go about it and what the vision is I've got huge goals. Um, I am one person though, so I'm taking them day by day. Yeah, um, obviously we've got the the podcast, which um, is a kind of our first, our firstborn. Um, and essentially there's so many different episodes on there where we talk to different people in their twenties about a certain area that they are an expert in and also talk them, talk about their experience of life in their twenties. So we have uh, the podcast, I think we're on about almost 50 episodes now, which is, which is great. So that is kind of like number one, if you're kind of looking for it, someone to listen or someone's to kind of relate to you're going through all of these things and you kind of just want to hear other people experiencing those things then I'd kick start with the Talk 20s podcast. We also have our online courses, which we're going to have a big revamp for the new year, which I'm really excited to start working on. But at the moment, we've just got the first time buyer guide. So if you're looking to buy your first property, there is literally Brilliant. step-by-step guides where you can literally learn everything that you need to learn about that. So there's going to be plenty more courses like that, workshops and online stuff that you can get involved in because we're really passionate about having these conversations and making it accessible and easy for young 
young people to to do these things because it's it's you know barriers have been put up and we need to knock those barriers down and then lastly our in-person events so we're doing our first in-person event in October which is this month which is only a few weeks away 20th of October um, at Pins in Liverpool we're going to be doing a live recording of the podcast we're going to be talking about friendship in your 20s because it's been the topic that so many people have asked us to talk about but you can't really find an expert on friendship <laughs> on, like who's who is an expert about that so we're going to talk about our own experiences in a setting where you can meet other people and network and make new friends so that's mm-hmm. really exciting but yeah like hopefully just growth you know I'm, I'm going into universities and delivering workshops to university students so they are prepared to leave university and working with other businesses who kind of nurture young people and stuff like that to try and deliver our content as well so there's lots of different ways that we're kind of going about this online shop full of positive quotes prints and stuff like that we're trying our best to kind of cover all bases at the moment it's just me and a team of volunteers that work on talk 20s but hopefully chat to me in two years time and we'll be there's there's, there's absolutely no hope about it Gabby I mean your energy your passion is so infectious and it's just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant and that's one of the reasons I I wanted to talk to you because we we met briefly at a live event we can mark our little place in history I know it was the first one it was the first in-person event that we were allowed to do in the country in Liverpool it was amazing. Good business festival, wasn't it? it was yes, it was. Yes, it was. And as I say, your energy and at, at that networking event. Sometimes, you know, we historically, I mean, I have over-networked myself to death in the past, I'll be honest. This can be mentally absolutely exhausting. However, I built my business and, and who I am through the connections and contacts that I made from that one-to-one connection. Okay, you go into a room full of people, but my, my tactic was always just find one or two people, just stick with them. And you never know where it leads, you know, have that conversation. And I think I zoned in on you. We chatted for a good while and I've never, I haven't forgotten. And, you know, you've made, you make, you make an impact when you speak. And I, I love that about you. And I love, I love your why and I love your purpose. In terms of, you say you're on your own with your team of volunteers. And I'm going to come back to the mentor question. You said you didn't have one at uni and then Talk20s is filling the gap on, on for that wider platform. For you as a, a now businesswoman, who are you talking to? It can be a lonely place. It is, yeah. I, I think actually what I've actually done, and this is a, around the friendships idea again, is I have, I would say my closest friends that I have right now, I have made in the past two and a half, three years. Like the, the people I talk to every single day are the people that I've kind of met at events or met online because we share common vision. And they're the people I find myself speaking to a lot. So I feel like I'm very fortunate and I've, I've, I've deliberately done this, but I've surrounded myself with like-minded people. So I don't feel alone in this journey. If I've got a question about business and, and when I left my job, it was, wasn't just about having confidence and belief in myself. I had confidence and belief in my network that if I didn't know the answer to something, I sure as hell knew someone else who would who would know the answer. So for me, I think confidence in in that area has been a massive thing. And they're kind of like having mini mentors all the time. You know, I've got a friend, she's a solo business owner as well. We voice note pretty much all day, every day to one another. This is what I'm up to. This is so I feel like I know her business and she knows like I feel like we're colleagues and we always share ideas and bounce ideas off them. She was the first person I mentioned, you know, I'm thinking about doing this event too and all of that kind of stuff. And so for me, I kind of surround myself with those people. But in terms of kind of like having those conversations, I do have a life coach that has pretty much changed my life. She's a really good friend as well. And I feel like she has been a really great person who's has helped guide me because you know I'm 
I'm not geared up to be an entrepreneur. I don't have it in my blood. It's not, it's not what, you know, my family done, but I I know it's something I can learn. I know it's something I can teach myself, you know, like, so it's been really great to be able to talk through all the challenges I'm facing and go, well, actually none of this is fixed mindset. Like I can absolutely grow into this. You're not, you're not like born an entrepreneur. You don't, you don't (laughs) have to do it that way. Like, you know, this is something you're learning and the more you can talk about it with other people, the better. And I love that you're the sum. Of, they say you're the sum of the people you surround yourself with, and I love the fact that you you talk to friends and that combined with other business owner owners mm-hmm. who are also friends. And I think you've got to have that trust in each other as well. So I love the fact that you've connected mentorship to friendship because mm-hmm. it is about having that know, like, and trust with each other to listen and help each other along the way. Because if you, they're helping you, you can then help them, which increases your confidence. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I also just that the life coach. I mean. I Absolutely. It's something that I've only literally just discovered through lockdown, having taken that pause. Again, I tried to talk to the right people, but I never really had one particular person that I instinctively went to all the time. I was your classic trying to do everything on my own. Oh, I have to solve mm-hmm. the world. I have to solve the world's problems and I have to do it all by myself. Burnout prevails, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it will happen to anybody. So I'm massively reassured that, you know, you're smart enough to have done that and, and acknowledge the fact how important it is to communicate with other people and the right people. Absolutely brilliant. There was something else that you just said and I can't remember what it was. I was going to pick you up on it. Not being born an entrepreneur. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Did you see me react to that as well? Like, yeah, I see you react. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was exactly it. I think you said you were into Simon Sinek. Did I hear you? Say, have I read that somewhere? And I think he says that you know, it's it's we're pro- they're problem solvers because I often have a I have entrepreneur on my you know that on your Instagram when you open it up yeah, to yeah, business yeah. you have to put yourself yeah, on a yeah. title and there's all these yeah, titles. Public figure. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, oh, all right, then I'll go with that. And I was like, yeah. and I struggled with it. Again, I had this moment of yeah. self-doubt. And he describes entrepreneurs as problem solvers, disruptors, people who see the gaps. I mean, I literally, if you yeah. ask any of my friends, it's always like, well, how can we do it differently? How can we do it better? How can we get there quicker? You I'm know? the same. So and that's that, apparently... Neck is great. Yes. So I, yeah, he's probably Let's right. Let's take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can definitely label ourselves as entrepreneurs, Gabby, without a doubt. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that because it's a really fresh take on it. It doesn't mean you have to employ millions of people or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, there's some people who are, who do that are not necessarily entrepreneurial. They're not necessarily great leaders. It's just happened to have gone that way for them. So I think mm-hmm. you can definitely label yourself as an entrepreneur without a doubt, even though we don't really like labels, but it, it's yeah. something that is banded around and it's something that, you can have a little bit of imposter syndrome about, um, you know, I've been doing various things on and off for years and I still struggle with the term. But when I heard him say that, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. Um, in terms of, I always ask this question and I know you're, you're younger than the generally the, the demographic that I'll probably have on the podcast. But my, I, what I do is I, people say, oh, target a demographic, Michelle. And you've got a very definite demographic that you're targeting. But I'm just like, I'm at an age where I'm like, oh, bollocks to it. I just, if I can hit one person, whether whatever age, whatever background, that mm-hmm. I, I count that as success. But I always ask the question about your advice to your younger self. But I'm going to ask you that, but I'm also going to ask you to have a little think about advice to our generation as well. So let's start with the younger self. What would be your advice to your 16, 18 year old self? I think it has to be follow your gut and do what makes you happy because ultimately like 
if you worry too much about what other th- other people think, if you're doing things for other people, if you're trying to make other people happy with your decisions and stuff like that, you're never going to be able to thrive. And like the only way that I've been able to kind of go after what I want is by choosing the things that make me happy. I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't happy. Like it would, that would be stupid. And I would genuinely like say that to people. I'd be like, if, if this, st- if this ever stops making me happy, I would quite happily own up to that and say, you know, I'm not enjoying this anymore this isn't for me and I'm selling the business or I'm doing something else I would quite happily say that because I feel like life is too short to spend too much of it being unhappy like and I've already know that at 26 and that's just because my early days when I was teaching and stuff I was a little shell of myself and I never want to go back to that person I never want to experience that again I only want to do things that are going to make me happy and if that means leaving the job if that means you know for some people leaving the relationship or stuff like that you know I feel like sometimes you have to make hard decisions in order to ultimately be happy but if you trust your gut and know deep down that that's the right decision then I think that's right like, right to do it. So at 16, I'd have just said, you know, follow your gut, do what makes you happy. And I think, you know, for a lot of people that might be, you know, a lot for a 16 year old to do. But if, you know, when it comes to like, like having kids and stuff like that, that is what I will tell my, my 16 year old is you have to do the the one thing that makes you happy. The one thing that you know, you're going to enjoy because you're going to be doing it for a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And then in terms of us oldies, come on, how I'd like to think I'm pretty down with the kids. I've got two step kids in their Definitely. 20s. My daughter's now 19 heading towards, I asked her the question yeah. yesterday, you know, I know, I know I, t- I try and teach you everything, Hannah, but it's her journey is her journey, isn't it? And yeah. she's just gone off to uni and she's over in Manchester. And interestingly, the one thing that she did talk about was finance and buying yeah. your home and all, and she's like, how yeah. did they do it? And so and I know yeah. you cover a lot of that in terms of you giving advice to our generation those those people who go oh you know they don't want to communicate they're on their phones all the time you know all those general generalizations about Mm. millennials Mm. you know I actually think you're actually massively smart generation I think the one thing that I'm hearing and that I love is that you won't settle yeah you you know you're not gonna settle it's not a job for life you don't Mm -hmm. have to stay where you are we demand personal development we demand to be well looked after by our employers we want our own careers we want our own businesses we're not gonna we're not gonna stick to societal expectation I love all that I'd like to think I'm quite enlightened but tell us what do your generation want to say to us I think our generation get called horrible terms like snowflakes because we stand up for what we want or we won't say yes to a job that makes us unhappy. We won't settle for all of those things. Oh, you're a snowflake. You couldn't hack it or can Mm. this. But ultimately, there is so much going on for young people right now. And I think it's about not cutting not cutting young people some slack but realizing how many things we're trying to digest at that moment in time i feel like as i've gone through my 20s i've settled a little bit i've gone okay i've started to understand that a little bit more i've started to understand this i've kind of found my feet with my career kind of found my feet with my finances i've got a partner and stuff like that but i think for anyone who is has a has a young person in their household or you know regularly has is in contact with young people there is a lot going on. And I think sometimes that just gets brushed under the carpet because you've already got past that stage of realizing how tough those parts were. And like you said, Michelle, you look back on your 20s with rose tinted glasses, <laughs> but you even admit that if you actually boil down to it, you yeah. weren't, you found that really, really hard. And I think yeah. we very much glamorize that, oh, I was just having fun. I was having a great time. But actually, 
no, that was a really, really hard time. And I think it's just remembering that. And it's kind of times a million right now because of the pandemic. You're not being able to go out and even have that fun that you're supposed to be having in your 20s. You're not allowed to go and travel the world like you're supposed to be doing in your 20s. So 10 times harder to actually reach all those expectations that young that young people have at the moment. So I think it's about understanding like the journey that they're going through and that it's quite intense in those early years of your 20s definitely think that we can all learn from each other and that's again one of the reasons why I invited you on and I want I want my podcast to have young people you know because I know that that young people aren't going to necessarily rush to my podcast but I think if I have those conversations I'm going to learn from you and likewise you know Mm -hmm. these are the types of conversations I want to be having I want to stay awake to what's happening in the world and not just stay in my little comfort zone of, of what my life has become you know and that's why I'm testing myself and I'm I'm ready to have a coffee with you Gabby so you can tell me all about what the hell how I get over the fact that I need to put myself live on Instagram go up YouTube <laughs> I put my one little show reel on there I'm like oh that'll do you know and I know I've got it you know I've got I've got so much to learn from your generation and I'm really excited by it I'm not surprised you were named 30 under 30 you're recognized as changing yeah. potential for changing the face of, of Liverpool and I know you're not from here and you said you loved it but you had an initial wobbly start how did that mm. feel to, to, to see your name in the, oh. the Liverpool Echo as somebody changing the face of the city? Matt, mainly for a number of reasons. Um, Jodie Comer, killing you. <laughs> she's on that list. Good old St. Julie's she went to just around the corner she, but, here. But she's yeah. amazing, isn't she? And yeah. she's, you know, BAFTA award winning. you'd love to get her on, on the list. podcast. Oh my God, I would love she, to. She, the, yeah. The, the Vivian, who won uh, the first season of the Drag Race from Liverpool, yeah. obviously incredible. Curtis Jones, absolutely killing it for LFC at the moment. They're all on that list. And then you you scroll down and then there's me. Well, actually, no, I'm on the front cover. Like, I'm actually up there, like, at the top. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I'm on Brilliant. the cover. There's, there's three of us on the front cover at the top <laughs> of the article. I didn't know that was happening. I woke up on Boxing Day of uh, this year and the, um, the, the Echo had obviously put that out. And to be honest, like I burst into tears because I was like, wow, like some, you know, talk 20s was still so new then. Like it was, I'd only been a year, a year old and someone had recognized me in the top 30 of, you know, people in Liverpool. But I think it's also the fact that I, I didn't come from here, but I have definitely built my roots and this is my home now. And this is where I want to be. And I might not have the Scouse accent, but I love (laughs) this city so much I absolutely love it living in the northwest is you know is amazing and despite living on the world I spend so much time you know studios in Liverpool the the business is registered in Liverpool and stuff like that so you know I absolutely love this city and it's just a different vibe it's different atmosphere it's amazing people it's it's you know from Gloucestershire originally went to uni in Birmingham Liverpool's where it's at. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have a husband who has, a, I bought him a plaque, adopted Scouser. So I think yeah. I'll get you, get you and Patrick together because he, again, he's lived all over the world and he, he wouldn't be anywhere else. He has to say that, but I actually do believe it. You know, it is, it is very special once um, it gets into your skin. It doesn't, doesn't ever leave you. Gabby, I've absolutely, I know you've got to go because I know you've got a busy day. Um, I've absolutely loved talking to you. The city is safe in your hands. I'm telling you, the 20 year olds <laughs> are safe in your hands. I love oh, the fact you. that you've 
you've worked on your own self-confidence, that you listened to your gut. I love the fact that you were able to open up to your mum and dad who said to you, you know, the most important thing is for you to be happy. And that's the message that, that what a ripple effect. It's such a simple but powerful message that they gave you permission to just be who you want to be, you know. And now look what has come from that. Look at the platform you've created. Look where you're going. And now that's the advice that you're giving to other people. Honestly, you should give yourself a massive pat on the back, round of applause. I wish we were together because I want to give you a massive hug. Um, <laughs> I massively admire you, and I really do want to stay in touch. And I, I want to be—I want to make the—I want to make the friendship list ne- maybe next year. <laughs> I'm sure I'm yeah. in a very—I'm long- sure, I'm sure I'm in a very long queue. <laughs> oh, bless you! No, absolutely, we should definitely get coffee sometime. I'd love that. But yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. I think it's amazing what you're doing. Talking oh, is so you. important, and you know this platform that you're giving people to kind of share what's helped them I know is going to be helping so many people and so many of your listeners so thank you oh thank you Gabby love you lots (laughs) (laughs) the simple yet powerful art of conversation and communication should never be underestimated and I would love to hear your thoughts and feedback either via the contact form on my website talkontowalkon.com or on my Instagram at michellewalters underscore. Also, I'd be thrilled if you could help the Power of Conversation message to reach as many people as possible. To help achieve this dream, and so that you never miss an episode of Talk On To Walk On, please rate, review, and subscribe, remembering that the simplest act can have the largest impact.